0: Hello Spellmanaires, my name is Olivia Kane. I am so thrilled to welcome you all to the first episode of the Oh Don't You Wish podcast, The Spellmanaire Experience. With my platform, PUSH, I hope to celebrate the passions and uniqueness of our siblings and increase the support of our siblings while honoring those who have come before us. With this series of the podcast, we will be focusing on each tenet of the PUSH platform through interviews with fellow Spellmanaires. I am so excited to share with you the first episode of the podcast dealing with the theme passion and the benefits of following your passions. So sit back, relax, and get ready to enjoy the first episode of the podcast. Oh, don't you wish you were a night like me? Oh, don't you wish you were a night like me? Oh, don't you wish you were a night like me? Because we're the oh-so-fine divas
1: of the AUC.
0: So I am very excited for our guest today. She is here representing Passion from the platform Passion, Uniqueness, Support, and Honor. So I will let her go on ahead and introduce herself.
1: Okay, hi everyone. Um, My name is Asia Brown. I'm a sophomore compared to Women's Studies major at Spelman College, um, um, pre-nursing as well. And I'm the co-founder of uh, 601 for Period Equity. Um, Being from Mississippi, I wanted to, um, especially being home during the pandemic, I really wanted to um, get involved in my community. Um, You know, growing up in a rural state, a small town, I've seen um, individuals and families really struggle and be hard hit with poverty, and then add on the pandemic that we're all experiencing right now. um, I really just wanted to um, give back in any way that I could, so. That's me.
0: (laughs) Yes, I love that idea so much because especially like going to a place like Spelman, like obviously we're surrounded by Black women and I feel like this is such a big crisis and no one's really like talking about it and a lot of people aren't doing anything about it. So I think it's definitely something that's super important and like starting with your own community that's so important. People are like, oh, we need to send stuff to Africa. Well, we have people struggling right here, like in our own communities. Right. We definitely think that's super, super important. So... How is this in a pandemic? <laughs> how is getting a whole organization started getting donations and all that kind of stuff? How is that working out for you in a pandemic? Cuz that I'm sure is is presenting a challenge.
1: Um definitely. I think, you know, a lot of us are feeling very, you know, isolated during this time and kind of feeling like they can't, you know, do anything. And there are multiple reasons why I started doing this, but one of them was because um I just felt so kind of Um, I hate to say useless, but kind of useless. Like I wasn't, you know, doing everything that I could be doing during this, um, you know, these trying times. I felt stuck at home, stuck in the house. Like I wasn't really making an impact. So I really was looking for ways to still serve the community, um, even with the pandemic and, you know, people having health issues and things of that nature. Um, and it has been a struggle. Um, you know, it's a little bit harder trying to get volunteers together, trying to, um, you know, go out into the community and connect with people um, and just trying to keep different things in mind. Um, but I you know, I'm still grateful for the opportunity to do what I'm doing, Um, because honestly, if it weren't for the pandemic, I wouldn't be home right now. You know, I'd be in Atlanta. And um, so I am grateful that I am having this, um, I guess, extended stay at home for the moment to, you know, really do this for the community and give back. And, um, you know, it has been hard, but I think my biggest, uh, you know, tip to anybody trying to organize something you know during the pandemic or um you know just any type of activism i guess during this time is to utilize social media i think that's a big part of what's gotten the word out for 601 for period equity has been social media and people seeing us on Instagram, you know, like you or on Twitter or Facebook. Like that's how people are learning about us primarily. We haven't even done like any heavy hitting outreach work as of right now. So I think social media is a very powerful tool and platform to have to um, really get you know, a message out and to organize, you know, on behalf of other people who need help.
0: Right. I think you made so many good points in that statement, like feeling mm-hmm. purposeless in the pandemic. I definitely feel like we've all experienced that. Like, I'm not going out. I'm not like seeing my friends every day. I'm not like going out and volunteering in person. So it's like struggling to find like, what am I doing? What am I doing to like reach out yeah. to So I definitely feel like that's super relatable. And I think it's so like powerful that you saw a need. Fulfilled that need. <laughs> like, that is right. I think that's a really
1: good point. Yeah. And so it wasn't a need that I even was aware of, even you know six months ago or a year ago. Um, or what really opened my eyes to it is becoming um, you know, an ambassador for another nonprofit um called the PAD Project, and um, I believe they're based in uh L.A. or in California, but they do you know activism work. Um, on a global scale, and it's through becoming an ambassador with them that I learned about um, what menstrual equity even means. I learned about period poverty. I think it was something I knew happened, or or I knew, you know, okay, it's good to donate some pads to a women's shelter, but I didn't understand how um, poverty, for a lot of people, Um, can force them to choose between, okay, am I gonna get gas this month or this week? Am I gonna get my groceries for the week? Am I gonna get diapers? Or am I gonna get pads and tampons? And I think it's something that a lot of people don't realize, especially in the privileged positions that we all can occupy at times, we don't realize it's a, um, a choice that a lot of menstruators, a lot of women and girls have to meet, you know, and have to make every single day. Yes,
0: that's so, so true. So, so true. So I guess along with that, what sorts of support systems are helping support your community? I know you mentioned social media, which yes, I haven't seen you on Instagram, liking those pictures. (laughs) And it's so easy to just like put it on your story, just like repost something. So that's definitely super helpful. But outside of that, what other support systems are helping support your, your organization?
1: I would just say different um, organizations and activists here in Mississippi in Vicksburg where I'm from, where we're based, um, have really uh, stepped up to the plate and are saying, hey, I love what you're doing. I want to be a part of it. Um, We just recently launched a branch in the um, state's capital in Jackson, Mississippi, and that got started because a local activist, um, her name's Maisie Brown, she's a Jackson native, um, a local activist, saw what we were doing on our Instagram page, literally slid into our DMs and was like, I love what you're doing. We need to bring this to Jackson because Vicksburg and Jackson are right beside each other so she really wanted to bring it to the capital city and we just went from there and now we have two branches in the state and um, I think also a lot of other organizations that are doing similar work or who just want to get involved in the menstrual equity movement and ending period poverty in the state they've reached out to us and said hey we love what you're doing we're doing something similar or we want to do something to help you out so how can we help how can we partner and i think partnerships and just networking with people in the state um you know to provide this need for people is has been our biggest support system as well as family members and friends people who just know us from the community again vicksburg is a very small town so you know, everybody knows everybody. So I think just having that support from the community has been honestly our biggest support system and what sustains us to do this work. Because I didn't want to do anything that wasn't going to affect anybody. You know, I didn't want to just do something that would not truly make a difference or that wasn't a need. So I made sure, you know, is this something that really is a need in the community? And, you know, from the support we've received from the requests for care packages that we've received we have realized yes this is a huge need in the community
0: okay that's such a blessing that you guys were able yeah. to like, and i did see that you guys started a second verse i was like that was so quick <laughs> yes 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 so that's really a blessing that you guys were able to to get all of that really quickly off the ground okay. <laughs> um So I guess moving more towards like you and more personally. So, how has your experience been like with school and everything like that, and juggling everything? Because I'm sure it's not easy to run a nonprofit and be a student at the same time.
1: Yeah, um, it's definitely been an adjustment. Um, you know, I kind of started before the semester started for us. You know, Spelman we started the semester a lot later than other people. Um, so we started, I want to say. January 17th, or that's when we launched, about January 17th um, of 2021. So about a month ago, um, like a month ago yesterday or two days ago. Um, And, you know, school was not in session yet. So I pretty much was dedicating all of my time to getting our launch and together and getting everything off the ground and, you know, vamping up our social media presence and you know, all of that. And then when school started, I was like, oh, I gotta actually get organized to get my life together and, you know, schedule everything out. Um, So it definitely has been a challenge. Um, But I think what has really sustained me is this is something that I'm passionate about. Like, this is something that I want to do. I wake up in the morning excited to do it. Um, So I think that's what kind of helps me to keep going. Um, And I think just time management and just having a good planner (laughs) is the the best, you know, thing that anybody that's juggling multiple things at once can do. Um, So I I think that's how I'm managing it. I'm still learning. I'm still, you know, working through the kinks because the semester just started and I just started doing this work. So I think, you know, it's going to be a uh, trial and error process, but, you know, I'm passionate about my academics and I'm passionate about this. So, you know, at the end of the day, it'll, it'll happen, you know, even if I'm looking crazy <laughs> at the end of the week, but it'll happen. <laughs> right. Right. So I think it's such a good point that you brought up, like having
0: that passion for what you're doing is such an important part of it being like, if it's important to you, you're going to work hard at it. You're going to make it work. So, right how did you find this passion and how would you recommend that other people go about finding their passions? Is it just trying new things or is it, what, what would you say that is for you?
1: Um, I think this is a great question because for years, you know, I've I'm a very spiritual person. So I believe that, you know, because of, you know, a higher being for that, for me, that's God. So I believe that God has, place me on this earth for a reason to um, use the resources that I was blessed enough to have to use the, you know, positions of privilege that I am in to, you know, help someone out and to minister to somebody else. Um, So I've always felt passionate about social justice and you know, different things like that. But for years, I didn't necessarily know like, what was my niche? Like, what am I exactly supposed to be doing? Um, and then just as a black woman, I'm also passionate about um, reproductive justice and, um, you know, people having bodily autonomy over themselves and different things of that nature. So I didn't necessarily know like, what exactly I wanted to do until I actually became um, an ambassador for the power project. Um, so I didn't necessarily know what I, that I wanted to do something in menstrual equity until I became an ambassador for the Pad Project, and I didn't necessarily um, even want to apply for that ambassador program. My younger sister, who I co-founded um, Six Hundred One for Period Equity with, she brought the opportunity to me, and she was like, you know. This might be something that we're interested in. We're both looking for different social justice issues to get experience in, and different things of that nature. And I was like, sure, whatever. I didn't even really put that much effort into the application. And then we both uh, were accepted as ambassadors. And um, just that ambassador program has been an eye-opening experience. And it's through taking that risk and you know doing something that I might not have you know done if you know, I wouldn't have kind of pushed myself and stepped outside of my comfort zone. You know, it was through that program that I realized, you know, this is an important issue. This is something that I want to be a part of and do. Um, So I would say that's how I kind of found my passion for this. But this isn't my only passion. I have so many, so many things that I'm passionate about, Um, um, primarily reproductive justice, um, abortion access, um, you know, access to contraceptives and STI testing, you know, uh, uh, comprehensive sex education in schools, just a plethora of (laughs) issues and ideas. But um, I think, you know, if I would give any advice to somebody looking to find their purpose, looking to find their passion, I think it honestly comes naturally. I think you know, it's what keeps you up at night. It's what gets you excited. It's what makes you angry and sad and mad to the point where you want to do something. I think, you know, that's how I knew this is something that I had to do because I couldn't stop thinking about doing it. You know, anybody that's close to me, my boyfriend, my family, whoever, they'll tell you when I had this idea, I talked about it all the time. I stayed up all night (laughs) working on it, researching, you know, and creating this organization and I think that's how I know I'm passionate about it I'm not gonna stay up all night for just anything you know because I value (laughs) so I feel like um you know people should just figure out what is it that keeps you up what is it that you know makes you happy and what's something that you just want to see happen and just do something about it
0: Yes, I love that so much. Like literally something that keeps you up at night. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people will see something that keeps them up at night, be like, tuh, and then keep it pushing. (laughs) But I think really like focusing on those moments where you're like, this is crazy. There's something that needs to be done. That is so important. Right. So
1: yeah. That that I'm just gonna add. And if I'm ever talking too much, just say something because I can get long winded. Um (laughs) (laughs) But I think another piece of that is just, you know, also realize that we're more than our passions and try not to let it consume you to the point where, you know, you're feeling overwhelmed or stressing yourself out because um, you're trying to fix this, you know, grand issue and this grand problem. And it's so much work to do. Um, I think that's something that's really easy To get caught up in, you know, we're more than our passions. We're more than, you know, the work that we do. We're also people and human beings who have needs. We need to rest. We need to, you know, set aside time for self care. I feel like a lot of activists or organizers or just whoever experience. Burnout so quickly because they just get caught up in doing the work and i have to do this and i have to do that i have to organize this project and give this speech and do this op-ed for this publication and then you you don't want to do nothing else at the end of the day because you've just spent all your time and
0: right. you're exhausted you
1: right no more- and you're exhausted um and i don't know where i heard this so i can't give credit but i've just heard people say you know how can you pour into somebody else if you're empty and that's something that I have to remind myself of how can I help somebody if I'm burnt out stressed depressed and you know I'm empty I'm running on e. can't do anything for anybody else if I'm not at peace if I'm not um you know fulfilled and sustained you know in everything that I need so I think that's an important point to make as well I guess it's good to have passions and to know what your purpose in life is but also realize you're much more than that you know yes. our purpose can be just resting our purpose can be just being the best that we can be or finding self-love that could be somebody's purpose as well it doesn't always have to be I have to save the world and in you know world hunger it that doesn't have to be everybody's purpose you know right
0: yes I think that's so important like you are so much more than just your passions because You're also your relationships. You're also like your spirituality. There's so many more facets to a person than just one thing. And I definitely do think that people get caught up in that. Like, I don't know if you've heard this term, but like the ideal Spelmanite, people talk about her. She's like, she's great, great. She does this. She does that. And like that person doesn't exist. We, we all need to be our own version ideal spellmanite because when you're looking at this one person being like oh she's so into this one thing okay but there's so many more sides to us like humans are not one dimensional (laughs) We're different things so i i love that you said that like you are more than your passions like even Mm -hmm. if like say for instance you hadn't gotten that internship or the ambassador program like that wasn't the end for you because like there are other things to your person like i think that's so important because i know people talk about it like towards your end of your spellman um, experience, people are getting acceptances to grad schools and stuff like that. And you may be feeling really insecure because you're like, where's mine? Like what about me? Yeah. But it's so important to like recognize your path. And just because you didn't get something in this time, it's all it I, I too am spiritual and my spiritual or my deity is God. So um like God is giving you in your timing, like you get it when you need it. God, it may not come when you want them, but it'll be there right on right. time. <laughs> so, right. Um, <laughs>
1: that's a great point also that, that you brought up the whole idea of an ideal Spelmanite, because I never want to be anybody's idea of what a Spelmanite should be, because a lot of that is rooted in elitism and respectability, the idea that we have to be a certain way, act a certain way, dress a certain way, and all these other, you know, ridiculous standards that, you know, were held to, and I think, um, You know, I also wanted to make sure I wasn't doing this just because I felt like I had to do something. And like, that's another, I think, piece of it. Like, don't just do something because you're like, okay, everybody else doing something. Everybody else got my resume. resume. This will make me look good for the school. Everybody else got a business. So let me start a bit. Like, no, I'm not starting a business because that's not something I want to do. I'm not about to become an entrepreneur because everybody else is doing it. And that's what the ideal Spelmanite is doing. You know, I'm not doing this because I want something to write on my resume. Like I'm doing this because it's a need and it's my passion and it's something I want to do. Um, And I think also it can be um, really easy too to get caught up in uh, imposter syndrome and to feel like you're not enough or that you're not doing enough and you know whoever may be listening to this when you're listening to me and what I'm doing in my story I pray that you're not feeling that way because I'm insane and I'm you know I have a lot on my (laughs) plate so you know don't ever feel like you know you're not doing enough or that you have to again you know solve all the world's problems and cure cancer to be Worthy or to be enough or to be a Spelmanite. You're a spellmanite because you're a spellmanite. got accepted right. you're, you're here. You're here. You're already there. You right. are the.
0: IQ. Here you are. <laughs> no one can tell
1: you you're not. Right. If all you do is pass your classes and graduate at the end of the day, you a Spelman woman. That's it. Right. You don't have to do all the extra. You know.
0: Right. Yes, I think that's so important because, I don't know, I remember hearing about these people who were involved in XYZ organization and they were the president of this and they had this GPA and stuff like that. And it does it does put like a pressure on you, but you have to realize that is them, you are you. If you, yeah. if all like like you said, if all you can do is pass your classes and get through, that's all, that's you. That's, that's what you did. You did that. You still did that. You still graduated. Yeah. So okay. I do think it's really important. You can, what is it? Comparison is a thief of joy. Like- yeah. You cannot, like, I think that is, especially sometimes being in an environment like Spelman, this community of Black, Black excellence, it is a lot of pressure on you. And you do feel like everyone is looking at you like, oh, that's a Spelmanite. What does that mean? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I do think it is really important that you, like, sort of knock out those voices and just focus on living the best life that you can. Like, it's so important at the end of the day that you're happy and you're not going to be happy if you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. So, right, yeah, I think that's really important important to consider. Shifting gears a little bit. So okay. in terms of building a community at Spellman, what sorts of things have you done? I know you're pretty active on social media, so I'm sure that is like a <laughs> yeah. good way to to um, get on that but what other ways are you like building a community at Spelman because online school is not <laughs> super conducive to that so.
1: Right um, I guess I would say social media did help a little bit it kind of helped me connect with people who had similar interests and you know similar mindset that I did um, but I think also just joining different organizations and Um, you know, working on different projects at Spelman, and um, again, working on things I'm passionate about, finding my passion, and finding others with the same passion or a similar passion um, kind of helped me to make friends as well. I know freshman year, it was very, very hard for me to, you know, make friends and find my people and (laughs) my community, but I think um, just also realizing that That, I think, comes naturally with life. We might not find who, you know, our people are, you know, at the moment we want to, but, you know, I'm a spiritual person. So I believe God sends, you know, those people at the right time when they're needed in your life. And, um, you know, so if there are any first year students listening to this and you feel like because of the pandemic and because it's been very hard um, to connect with your classmates, I think, you know, just... You know, I know it's easier said than done, but just try and be patient and just continue to be yourself and realize you don't have to, um, you know, change who you are, or your personality to find your community. You know, I feel like sometimes people try so hard to find friends in their community and they start doing things that they're not comfortable with and things that just aren't who they are and um you know just stay true to yourself as cliche as it sounds um just stay true to yourself and you know whoever's supposed to be in your life will be in your life at that you know specific moment they're supposed to be there
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's a good point because i sometimes people are like flipping over backwards like i need i need somebody like this is such a big part of this moment experience i want to find my people but when you're rushing like that just trying to find someone Right. Some of them will show up, but that might be that might not be that forever friend that you think they are. So I right. think it's important.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say, and it's qu- um quality over quantity as well. Right. You know, somebody can have 10 friends on campus, but of those long friends, long who's gonna be somebody that's loyal and somebody that's you know you can depend on, and you know, that can be your shoulder to cry on and be there for mm-hmm. you and be honest and all of that. So no, also take that into consideration as well. I'd rather have two or three close friends that I know are going to be the bridesmaids at my wedding than have 10 friends who aren't going to be with me in 10 years. So okay. that, that's a thing to think about.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that's really important because Spelman is that place for you. Like, while everyone may not be your best friend, a Spelmanite is going to be down for you when pushed <laughs> up, push up. Right. Right. A Spelman woman is going to be there for you. You go to a random summer program and you're like, oh no. I don't these people look weird. Like if a spelling yeah. is there, y'all buddy buddy, like right. outside of these gates, spelling community is so so real. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's important too. You can just plug your plug plug your organization. <laughs> any any okay. links or anything that you want to give.
1: <laughs> okay, sure. Our social media well, our name is 601 for period equity. Um, we're based in Vicksburg and Jackson, Mississippi, trying to expand into the state as much as possible hopefully we'll be able to um, sometime in the fall or you know just whenever we get around to it expand um, to Atlanta as well since you know I do go to Spelman and a lot of people have expressed interest in um, starting a branch in Atlanta Um, on social media on Instagram you can find us at um, 601 for period equity so just the area code 601 F-O-R period equity. Um, Same thing on Facebook. You can just look up our name and we have a page on there. Um, Our Twitter is at 601 period. So follow us on social media um, because not only are we trying to distribute care packages to um, menstruators in need in the state of Mississippi, but we're also trying to um, just have conversations about menstruation, about period poverty and just poverty in general and also we're trying to break down stigmas and period shame in the black community and other communities of color um because we just feel like it's very you know stigmatized in the black community talking about our periods openly and i can talk about that forever um you know you want to have a conversation about that but (laughs) Uh if you want to talk about that we can (laughs) well um I just, you know, growing up, I just felt like, you know, I just didn't talk about it with my friends until I got to maybe high school, but definitely college. And even then, I don't really talk about my period like that with my friends. And I think it's a lot different than in the white mainstream feminist communities they talk they have period power and talk about their periods and you know do all these social media and campaigns and things like that and we don't typically do that and um even when we think about like tampon use and menstrual cup use we don't talk about how to use different things like that maybe it's a different aspect of it for me because i'm you know from a smaller town in the very deep, rural South. Um, But we just didn't really talk about even like how to put a tampon in. I had to teach myself how to put a tampon in. I didn't even know what a menstrual cup was. I didn't know what a cloth pad was. that You can buy reusable cloth pads and just wash them, you know, after you use them, you know. We um, don't talk about Uh, different sustainable products like period underwear that you buy specifically to wear for your periods. You don't have to use a pad or a tampon or um, just the different products that exist out there because I think, you know, historically we've been told that our bodies are dirty, that, you know, we're not pure, that we don't um, hold the same beauty and grace and femininity that white women do and white bodies do and I think because of that historically over time we've internalized this idea about ourselves that we're dirty that we're hypersexual and all these other terrible things and in turn we feel ashamed about our bodies and the way that we look and especially our vaginas like we really don't even say vagina growing up I had so many different words that I had to say for vagina. And we just don't say it. Um, we just don't talk about um, different things, and we have this obsession with cleanliness. You know, I've talked to black people um, who get their periods about you know cloth pads and period underwear, and their reaction is always disgust, and <laughs> their concern is always like, you know, is that even clean? Is that something mm-hmm. that's um, you know? Yeah. Is that something clean? So I think, you know, there's a large conversation to be had about, you know, how we view menstruation in the black community. Um, You know, like the singer Queen Naja or however you say your name, like she made a tweet one time saying that she doesn't, you know, want her boyfriend or her husband or whoever he is to do her uh, laundry because she gets stains on her underwear and she doesn't want him to see that and it's like it's blood it's a normal (laughs) she's so problematic in so many ways honestly we could go on and on about her but (laughs) normal bodily function and it's so much discussed. and what it really does is it Creates this again level of shame where a lot of young black girls or just people who menstruate in general, um, you know, grow up with these feelings of disgust, these feelings of shame about their own bodies, about themselves, and they don't explore their bodies, they don't learn about their bodies. We already don't have comprehensive sex education in schools, um, and it also leads a lot of us to suffer in silence. A lot of us. Don't talk about, you know, the different things we experience while we're menstruating. And um, a lot of Black women suffer from, you know, period-related issues like endometriosis, um, PCOS.
0: Um, when you don't know what's normal, you don't know what's abnormal. You don't know what is a symptom of something
1: ab- You know, fibroids, um, right. uh, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and just a, a host of other things that a lot of us deal with, then we already know that the medical system is racist and, you know, patriarchal. So we already don't get treated adequately for these issues we don't you know our pain is not taken seriously our symptoms aren't taken seriously so we also get um diagnosed um very late for a lot of different period related issues as well and that's another reason we have to start talking to each other about our bodies about our vaginas about what we're going through you know tell somebody if you're having some different symptoms and things like that that you think might not be normal and like you said if we don't know even what's normal, you don't know what's out the blue and that shouldn't be happening. Um so honestly it's very violent and dangerous for us to not be discussing these things with each other. And I just feel like you should never be shameful of your body and the skin that you're in in general. Because as black women and girls and families, we already have, you know, to deal with being and living in an anti-black world, an anti-woman world. So you know, we already are are, uh, more susceptible to uh, harboring feelings about ourselves and insecurities about our bodies. And then, you know, we don't need to feel even worse because of period stigma and shame and things like that. So that's my little lecture for the (laughs) day. (laughs) I think you brought up some really
0: valuable points. Like people do treat a period as,
1: oh, don't touch her. Yuck. (laughs) Like,
0: yeah. I'm sorry. Are we... <laughs> that right. is such a common thing. It happens to women like every month. I'm not sure why. And to me, personally, it's immaturity. But then for some other people, they're like, that's the proper way to react to a period. That's disgusting. No, no,
1: it's yeah. not. <laughs> your... right. You wouldn't be here if your mother didn't have periods. So, <laughs> right. And you no, know, even in a global context, half of the world menstruates. Half of the population in the world gets their period every month. And, you know... Right in other countries and other cultures, you know, some women aren't even allowed to leave their rooms when mm-hmm. they're on their period. You know, one of the ambassadors for the PAT project who lives in India, she said she cannot leave her room when she's on her period because it's such a stigmatized thing in certain Indian and other cultures. Um, you know, I know some in some Cultures and societies, you know, women and girls cannot participate in different ceremonies and rituals if they're on their periods and different things like that. And, you know, I think people just don't realize how violent period shame and period stigma is, not even just in the United States, but for women and girls and other folks who menstruate around the world. So it's something that it it really has, it's gotta go. It's gotta go. i definitely
0: think that's really important and like you're saying um people talk about like it's like the idea like if i don't make a rape joke then i'm not part of the problem but like you laughing along with it is part of the problem right. so like with this just because you're not directly saying something if you're still contributing to that culture that allows for women to be treated this way because they're on their period you're part of the problem so i definitely think right. that's really important
1: yes so sure. So
0: how would you recommend that other people get involved? Like would you recommend is this so you did mention that you were interested in expanding. So obviously you have to take your time with that because right. <laughs> you know you don't just want to pop that off. But um how would you recommend that people help and support the cause?
1: Um well, you know, I would just tell people to there are many ways you can get involved in the menstrual equity movement or the fight against period poverty. Um I think One thing to do would be just do your research. You know, Google period poverty, menstrual equity, the tampon tax, and articles will come up about, you know, different things and um, different topics and legislation that's happening in different states. Um, I think that's kind of how I got involved, just doing my research, being able to tell people about it and spread the word on social media, follow different nonprofits and organizations. Um, that are doing important work and, you know, support their causes, donate to them, um, you know, even just donating, uh, you know, pads and tampons or menstrual cups or whatever you have around the house to women's shelters, homeless shelters, children's shelters. Even local elementary schools or middle schools or high schools, different community centers, um, you know, advocate for schools to have free pads and tampons in the bathrooms, you know, that might be something that somebody might want to do, you know, about 30 states in the country have what's called a pink tax or a tampon tax where there's a luxury sales tax on um, pads and tampons and you know, different things like that. And these are not luxury items, these are necessities. If I had it my way, they would be free, but you know, that's a whole other discussion. But I mean, these products should be free and at the bare minimum, they should not be taxed. So, you know, look into your state's, um, you know, uh, I guess sales tax for uh, feminine uh, hygiene products and see if they're taxed, you know, organize and advocate, you know, for that um, to change in your state. Um, you know, host uh, menstrual hygiene drives and, you know, at your school or place of business or at your home, just wherever and, you know, collect different products to give out to individuals in need or, you know, shelters or whatever. So there are many, many ways to get involved. And, you know, at the bare minimum, just connect with some organizations or nonprofits that are doing, um, you know, important work in your area and just see what you can do to help. Yes, I think that's such a great way to end it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yes, of course.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Asia had so many nuggets of wisdom to share with us. So I hope everyone has some good takeaways. Don't give up on your passions. Have a great day, everyone.